Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. Appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. I was thinking of this passage as the announcer was speaking. Galatians chapter 1, verse 9, Paul said, As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. So if we preach a different gospel than what was received in that first century, the original doctrine, we're going to be accursed. The New International Version says eternally condemned. We're going to be lost if we teach something different than what the Bible says. This is a far cry from what most preachers and churches say. They say, well, just as long as you believe in Jesus, it doesn't really matter what you believe and teach and practice. Everybody's right. Somebody teaches that for baptism, you ought to sprinkle babies. No, somebody else says, no, it should be an immersion of believers. Somebody says gay marriage is wrong. Somebody says gay marriage is okay. Somebody says women preachers is okay. Somebody says women preachers is wrong. And then they say, all of them are right. It's as if two plus two could equal four and five at the same time, and both would be right. It's not that way in mathematics. It's not that way in religion. Paul made it clear here that if we preach something different than what was received in the very beginning, the gospel is, is preached in the beginning, we're going to be accursed, eternally condemned. There's no way around that. Jesus said in John eight thirty two, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. That's not just the truth that Jesus is the son of God. That's the truth, everything Jesus taught, the doctrine of Christ. Second John 9, as the announcer said, if you don't abide in the doctrine, the teaching of Christ, you don't have God, you can't be saved. We've got to abide in that teaching. We've got to abide in the truth. We've got to preach the gospel that was received in the very beginning or we're going to be lost, Galatians 1, 9. That's what this program is all about, isn't it? Trying to teach exactly what the truth is. If I teach something and I get it wrong, you'll know it's wrong because I'll be teaching something different than the Bible. So you should correct me on that. I don't want to be wrong. I want to be right. So if I say something that goes contrary to the Bible, you show me in the Bible where that's wrong. But if I teach something that I prove it by the Bible and it runs contrary to your beliefs or practices, then you need to change. I need to change if the Bible contradicts my belief and practices. And you need to change if the Bible contradicts your belief and practices. Because Galatians 1, 9 says, if we preach something different than the original gospel, we're going to be accursed, eternally condemned. Steve from South Carolina, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Uh, sir, thanks for the call. Um, in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, verses 9 through 20, are footnoted that they're not found in original manuscripts. So my first question is, where do they come from? And, and how did that little section of verses end up in in the Bible. And then the second question surrounding those verses are, I think it's either verse 16 or 17, the Lord commands go into all the world and preach the gospel. And the part I'm struggling with is, is the next line that says, those that repent and be baptized will be saved. So Steve, let me comment upon your first question first. This text 9 through 20 is not found in some of the manuscripts but it's found in the great majority of manuscripts and and basically i could send you a chart i have on this it goes into this in detail but the basic idea is is those manuscripts these greek manuscripts that it's not present in 
this passage is quoted by, by people who are quoting from the Bible years before those manuscripts existed. So even though this text, and we'll talk about Mark 16, 16 in particular in a minute, even though Mark 16, 16 is not in those two or three manuscripts, it's in the majority of manuscripts, Steve, but it's not in those two or three. It's quoted by people who are quoting the Bible who lived long before those manuscripts even existed. So to me, the, the evidence is overwhelming that this passage is legit, that it should be in the Bible. Now, not every single verse that's in the King James Version has support like this. Some of them, there's a few verses maybe that were added by people later that crept into the King James Version of the Bible, which is a very accurate translation, by the way. But this has very good support, I'm convinced. Steve, at the end of the program, I give my cell number. If you'll wait to the end of the program and uh, text me or call me when I give my cell number, then I'll send you all the details about how, showing that Mark 16, 9 through 20 is legit and should be in the Bible. Okay, Steve? Okay. Now, does that make sense? Yes. Yes. And the fact that it's overwhelmingly supported by the evidence then means that Mark 16 and 16 is legit. And Jesus said in that verse, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So I sometimes, I've heard that the Bible is written in, for the most part, not all of it, but for the most part, sixth grade uh, level reading. This is third grade level. A third grader could understand this. Jesus is saying you've got to do two things to be saved from your sins. Believe and be baptized. Now, anybody can look at that and tell we can't leave off belief. We can't say, well, if a baby gets baptized, they're going to be saved even though they never grow up and believe. We can see that because it says you've got to believe and be baptized. Well, by the same logic, Steve, why can't we understand that you also have to be baptized to be saved? Here's a person that believes in Christ, but he's never baptized. According to Jesus in this verse, he's not going to be saved. He that believeth and is, and is baptized shall be saved. That's why Peter could say in 1 Peter 3.21, Baptism doth also now save us. Now, it's not saying that baptism is the thing that earns our salvation or pays for our salvation. That's the death of Christ. But it's saying that baptism, like belief, is the condition that we have to meet in order to be saved by the death of Christ. Steve, does that make sense? You got any follow-up on that? Uh, so essentially it's in the same lines as our tithe. It's not mandatory under the new covenant, but it's an act of obedience. Okay. No. I wouldn't, I wouldn't compare it in that sense to tithing. Tithing, you're right, was an Old Testament requirement, not in the New. Baptism is not in the Old Testament. It's strictly a New Testament ordinance. It's not optional. If you want to be saved, Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So it's, baptism is no more optional than belief is. For example, we know about Saul, later became known as Paul, one of the apostles. In his conversion account, remember he was a zealous strict Jew. The Lord appeared to him on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. And Jesus, he said, Paul, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? In Acts 9, Saul said, who art thou, Lord? He knew it was the Lord. He knew it was God. The voice was coming from heaven. He, Jesus said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Then Saul said, well, what do you want me to do? He says, go on to the city. It'll be told you what to do. He goes into the city of Damascus. He's there three days. In the meantime, Jesus sends Ananias to tell Saul what to do. Again, this is later became known as Paul the Apostle. Here's what Saul was told to do 
by Ananias in Acts 22. Now, remember, he's already believed in Jesus at least three days before this. But in Acts 22, 16, Ananias, speaking for God, says, And now why tarriest thou? We would say in the south, what you waiting on? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So it's clear. The blood of Christ is what washes away our sins. The question, Steve, is when does it wash away our sins? Is it when we believe or when we're baptized? Well, with Saul, his sins weren't washed away when he believed on the road to Damascus. It three, at least three days later, he's still in his sins, and he's told to be baptized to get his sins washed away by the blood of Christ. So baptism is not optional. You have to do it to get your sins forgiven. You see what I mean, Steve? I do. I, I see that, yes. Steve, I'm going to save your number and maybe call you later. Maybe we can have a Bible study sometime on that subject when you have time, okay? That would be awesome. Be sure and catch at the end of the program. I'll give out my text number so you can call or text me and ask for that. all the details on why Mark 16, 9 through 20 is legitimate. The evidence supports it overwhelmingly, okay? Okay, I will. Thank you, Steve, for your call. Appreciate it so Thank much. Thank you, sir. Another clear passage that teaches one has to be baptized to be saved, that it's not optional. In Acts 2.38, Peter told some believers, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Two things you got to do to get the remission of sins, the forgiveness of sins, according to that inspired apostle. you got to repent and be baptized. So if you put that together with Mark 16.16, 16, you see that a person to be saved from his sins has to believe in Jesus Repent of his sins and be baptized for the remission of sins. Ron from Arizona, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hey, I have two now with, with what you were saying. I'm going to say first, isn't the baptism he's talking about that we are baptized with Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection? And the first question was, you're talking about the gospel. What is the gospel according to you, and where is it found in Scripture? Well, one one place in Scripture that defines the gospel is 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 and following. It says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. So in, a, in, in, in one concise way, you could say the gospel is the good news. That's what gospel means. The good news that Jesus came, he died, was buried and resurrected so that we could be saved from our sins. Is that kind of what you're asking about, Ron? Well, that, yeah, that's the scripture. That's the gospel to me. That is the gospel yeah. in, in what you that's just right. read, a third and fourth verse. But, yep. but uh, and to the baptism part, isn't that the baptism he's talking about is being baptized with Christ in his death, burial, and raised with him in his resurrection? We well, are when, heaven, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places, although we're well, still here on earth. When we're baptized in water, we are. It is a picture of the death, burial, Where and resurrection. Where does he say Christ. anything about water there? Well, in 1 Peter 3, 20 and 21, which I quoted a while ago, let me read 20 and 21. One of the verses I quoted, it said, Which sometime were disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah 
while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. The like figure, wherein to even baptism, doth also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So from this passage, Ron, it's clear that the baptism that saves us is water baptism. There's a type and an antitype or reality here. They have two things in common. The eight souls were saved through the water. And the antitype of that, this text says, is baptism. And they have two things in common. They both involve water, the waters of the flood in the case of Noah, the waters of baptism in the case of our baptism, and they both involve a salvation. In the case of Noah, it's a physical salvation. They were saved through the flood. They didn't drown. In the case of baptism, it's a spiritual salvation, a spiritual cleansing. He says, it's not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, if you'd never seen a baptism, Ron, if you'd never heard of it, and you just saw somebody get baptized, you might think, well, they're taking a bath, washing dirt off their skin. Peter's saying, no, the importance of this water baptism is not to wash the dirt off your skin. It's a spiritual cleansing. The bottom line here is this is talking about water baptism. That's the connection from verse 21 back to verse 20, and it says baptism saves us. Does it mean that's that, more than a symbolism? Well, I mean, I'm just going by what the Bible says. Uh, the Bible I, I says baptism it's, saves you. It's by, De- it's by Jesus' death, by him shedding his blood. Uh, without oh. the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. That's what saves us. It's what he I agree did with by you. believing in him. I agree and with what you, what he Ron. did for us is not what I can do. It's what he did for me. Ron, I agree with you. It's the death of Christ that saves us. But the fact that it's the death of Christ that saves us doesn't rule out the fact that we have to believe in Jesus to be saved. We do have to do something. Everybody would agree. That you have to believe in Jesus to to be saved. And of course you have to be baptized because Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. I think we've gone through this before. What about, (laughs) I know what you're going to say. Ron, thank you for your call. Thank you for your call. Hendricks from California, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hi, I heard the comment on baptism and um, it sounded like what you're saying is if you believe in Jesus and, uh, want him to save you for your sins, if you don't get baptized, you're going to hell. Is that right? That's exactly right. Jesus said, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter to the kingdom of God. John 3, 5. So if you don't get born of water, according to the teaching of the spirit, you're not going to be saved. Jesus said in Mark 16, 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So both belief and baptism are equally necessary to being saved from your sins. Go ahead, Hendricks. I didn't mean to cut you off. It's okay. Yeah, I think John 3, 5, though, it says, is that the verse that says, who believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he who does not believe shall be condemned? That's Mark 16, 16, what you just quoted. That's right. Mark okay, 16, yeah. 16. I think that's saying that, and there's another verse, though, that just says that if you believe in Jesus to forgive you for your sins, then you're saved. And there's also a lot of verses that say works aren't necessary. They're, you know, they're helpful, but they're not, they're helpful for your time on earth and your rewards in heaven, but they're not necessary for salvation. Uh, I think you've been deceived a little bit, Hendrick. Think about this passage. In James 2.24, James says, you see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. 
So when the Bible talks about obedience, it always says it's necessary to salvation. Never says it's not necessary. Here's another one for you to consider, Hendrick. Hebrews uh-huh. chapter 5, verse 9, talking about Jesus, it says, he, And he being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation to all them that obey him. That means that, that, that you're not going to receive eternal salvation unless you obey him. Am I right? Unless you are saved, unless you do the act, you have to believe in Jesus to be saved. And then once you're saved, you're, you're forever saved. And the thing about going back to the baptism, that seems like an act, you know, of, of outward expression of your faith. But I don't see hey, anything saying, yeah. Well, I don't, I'm not being, being disrespectful, but you're telling me what you think. And I'm giving you what God said. He says, Jesus is the author. And I quote the author of eternal salvation and to all them that obey him. That means if you don't obey him, you won't receive eternal salvation. It couldn't, couldn't mean anything else. It's impossible for that to mean anything else. Yes, that proves actually, conclusively. Go ahead, Hendrix. I didn't mean to cut you yeah, off. Yeah. No, no, on that point. Um, so, for example, if let's say you are uh, saved, you believe in Jesus, and you get baptized, and you're, for, you're saved, right? Um, if you then disobey God after that, do you lose your salvation? Oh, yeah, because it says oh, Jesus no. is only the author of eternal salvation to all those that obey him. So if you quit obeying Jesus, you're not going to be saved. And that is not the doctrine. Yeah, so I'm just quoting you what the Bible says. I don't go by what people think. I know you may have been told by many preachers that once saved, always saved is true, that a Christian can't fall from grace. But Galatians 5, 4 says, you who would be justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. So this doctrine that a Christian can't fall from grace is directly contradicted by Galatians 5.4. It shows that people trying to be justified by the law are falling from grace. The Baptists will say that's impossible. But Galatians 5.4 not only says that it's possible, but people did it. They fell from grace. As a matter of fact, I'm here in the book of Hebrews. In the book of Hebrews, verse 12 says, Take heed, brethren. And we know this is Christians, talking to Christians here, because verse 1 says he's talking to holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling only that can only be a christian uh-huh. it says take heed brethren lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living god so it's possible for a believer a christian to depart from that and become an unbeliever and depart from god now i know a lot of people will say that's impossible but the bible says that it is possible he warns people about it you see what i mean he also, in hebrews 3 he verse 12 the Bible says that he'll never forsake you when you're saved. It does say that, but I want to read a passage to you. It says okay. that he'll never forsake you, I think, in Hebrews chapter 13. But in Second Chronicles 15, verse 2, it says, The Lord is with you while you be with him. And if you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Right. So the and Bible is crystal the Bible is crystal clear, Hendricks, that if you forsake God, he'll forsake you. That's what it says. And that is, it, yes, exactly. The forsake part is about being saved. So if you forsake God by not being by not believing in Jesus and becoming a Christian, then you're not saved and you go to hell. No, you, no, this, it didn't say that. I mean, you added that to the text. It says if you forsake him, he will forsake you. So that applies if you don't become a Christian or if you're a Christian and you forsake him. Like we read in Hebrews 3.12 that it's possible if you develop an evil heart of unbelief and depart from God, if you forsake him, even if you're a Christian, he will forsake you. It says the Lord is with you while you be with him. 
which implies that if you quit being with him, he won't be with you. Greg from New York, go ahead with your question or Bible question or comment, please. The last Greg, you're on the air. The, yes, hello. I've been just commenting further as to what these last two callers have been calling in and asking you, maybe trying to infer. Just had a question in Luke uh, 2342 when it says, um, and Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. When would the thief on the cross next to Jesus have ever had an opportunity to be baptized before he'd go to heaven? Yeah, we're not talking about people in the, who lived under the Old Testament law. The thief didn't have to be baptized for the same reason Adam and Eve didn't have to be baptized. Moses, Abraham, Noah, you won't read about water baptism in the Old Testament. They didn't have to be baptized. And that's the law the thief lived under. Remember, Hebrews 9, 15 through 17. I'll just read 16 and 17 because we're running out of time. It says, for where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. So my parents made out their will in the 1970s. But me and my three brothers didn't inherit their possessions until after my second parent died. That will, that testament, didn't go into effect until after the death of the testator, my parents. The same way with the New Testament. It did not go into effect until after the death of the testator, Jesus Christ. So the thief on the cross lived under the Old Testament law. That didn't require people to be baptized. We're talking about now when the New Testament law is in force. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Go ahead, Greg, with your follow-up. So John 3.16 then, which would be a New Testament verse, also, again, doesn't say anything about baptism in there. That's true. He who believes shall not. Wouldn't that be an addendum that would be added into that? No, well, what we have to do is learn to take everything the Bible has to say. It says, John 3.16 says you've got to believe to be saved. doesn't say that's all you have to do. Acts 22.16, Ananias told Saul to arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. It didn't say anything about belief. So so if you're just going to take one verse, you would, you, a person could be baptized and be saved without believing. So instead of just taking one verse, we take everything, and when we take everything that God has to say, you learn that a person to be saved, to become a Christian, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So it takes belief and baptism. Uh, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins in Acts 2.38. So it also takes repentance and baptism. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says you've got to confess with the mouth unto salvation. So you have to confess with your mouth in order to be saved. You can't. You can't just confess without believing or repenting. You can't repent without being baptized. You can't be baptized without believing. you got to do it all in order to be saved. Take Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. you got to take it all. And when you take it all, you see clearly that a person has to be baptized to be saved. Why would 1 Peter 3.21 say baptism saves us if you didn't have to be baptized to be saved? That would be absurd. That would confuse everybody. Cisco from Texas. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Uh, yes, sir. I was just, I just got on the radio and it sounded like what you said that if God forsake, if you forsake God, then he will forsake you. And you said that it implies that you can lose your salvation that way. Meaning once you're saved, you're not always saved. So you could lose your salvation. Correct. Is that what you were saying? Exactly what I was saying. Second Chronicles fifteen two says, "If you forsake him, he will forsake you." That's a fact. 
Yes. But in that exact same verse, he's talking about seeking him out. And if you don't seek him out, then he is going to forsake you. So therefore, if you don't get saved, yes, you're obviously going to be forsaken. For the same reason, the one big sin is the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your call, Cisco. Thank you for your call. Thank you for your call. So in that verse in 2 Chronicles 15, 2, it doesn't just say, if you never become a Christian, then, then you won't be saved. If you seek him, he will be found of you. But then after that, after you have found the Lord, if you forsake him, he'll forsake you. Okay, so it's not true. This is only talking about before a person becomes a Christian. It says the Lord is with you while you be with him. So this is talking about somebody that's with the Lord. The Lord is with him, and then they forsake the Lord, and the Lord forsakes them. And so that conclusively proves. I mean, this is not just talking about what we think. This conclusively proves once saved, always saved is false. You just won't accept what the Bible says. Here's my number, 256-682-9753, if you want that Bible study or that more information.